Golay presents Recorded History with the RecordHub.com. 100% Irish and direct to your door. What is up and what is the crack, cherished members of the Recorded Historical Society? And welcome to another episode of Recorded History with the RecordHub.com. My name is Ed Smith. How are you? And this is our weekly chat with an interesting someone with an interesting story to tell. And we get to hear it all by way of some very interesting records. Now, it is fair to say that Ireland has produced some singers over the years. I'm not going to list any of them, as I'll just leave somebody out and then I'll have to emigrate. But to my ears and the ears of many, there is one that belongs on that larynx Mount Rushmore. And that one belongs to one Mary Kate Garrity, or May Kay, as she's known and loved. With Fight Like Apes, she bellowed a beautiful streak through the Irish music scene and over three excellent albums and iconic singles firmly, if not chaotically, established themselves as one of Ireland's most beloved bands. She went on to perform with the likes of The Galaxy, Elaine May and countless others and over the last eight years has done a predictably excellent job presenting coverage of other voices. It was to the joy of so many of us that her and Jamie got the band back together earlier this year and on the back of that rapturous response, Fight Lake Apes are back to play the three Olympia in April next year. Now, I've gotten to know May Kay a bit over the years, and she is warm, hilarious, smart, sweet, and above all, the absolute crack. So yes, you may have guessed I'm somewhat of a fan. So it is with great personal pride and pleasure that I get you to hear all of that for yourselves. So here she is, the mighty, the magnificent May Kay. Here we are, May Kay. Thank you so much for coming in to share your recorded history. Last time I saw you, uh, you're returning a yard, a previously disused yard in Stony Batter into Glastonbury <laughs> for the Stony Batter Festival. I can't take the credit for the infrastructural work mm. done in that yard, but vibes wise, your I plastering delivered. was excellent. Thank you so much. I think little, a few people know about me. Good crack. Oh yeah, it was intense. Unreal. Though, like, I mean, I imagine kind of herding those fleas into one spot. <laughs> Ed, you're not like Colin fleas. That's oh, amazing. sorry, man. Yeah, that's um, new on the list. No, it's deadly. Like, that's such an amazing festival. It's altogether. really taking off, isn't it? Yeah. You're like the man of the hour. You're the mayor of Stony Vatter over that weekend, which I think means that you have to do everything. That's what I, I mean. That's, yeah. It is the highlight of my year, honestly. It is uh, yeah. DJing in the, what does he call it? The Yard. Walsh's, if anyone's listening. Best pub, in, not in Dublin, but in Ireland. They open up a yard across the way from the pub for the festival. Fills it with bands and there's obviously beer. Then I spin a few tunes. The crowd are the best of the year anywhere. Ah, uh, it's true. And it's actually, it's kind of, it's cool because, yeah, you can see parents kind of bouncing in yeah, for 20 yeah, minutes, yeah, yeah, yeah. bouncing back out. And then they appear back an hour later and have clearly, hopefully gotten a babysitter. Sans kids. <laughs> well, hopefully, as you say. Look, um, great choices today. Uh, Thank you. And a first one for the pod, as they are from three consecutive years. I know. Yeah. Was that intentional? or was <laughs> no. it? Just, no, it wasn't, though. No. Was it hard to pick them? Um, not really. I have a playlist on my phone that I use um, for Fight Like Apes, um, like before we play or in between bands or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's all stuff we would have listened to in the van back in the day when we first started touring. So I just have to look at that and I'm like, yeah. Who else then was, is on that list? Um, well, previously called British Sea Power, who are now called Sea Power. That's right. Um, throwing Muses, Slater Kinney. Um, flying lizards. I just sound like I'm making this all up as I go along. No, but I can see why they'd be on that list. Yeah. Considering. Lots of Weezer, um, lots of Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. 
Um, yeah. Okay. So you you now you pick the three. Yeah. Uh, and we're going back to the very first one here. Back 22 years. Can you believe it? No. No. Let's not think That's about horrendous. that. Uh, 2001. Make hey. What album is being lifted like Simba into the hallowed halls of your recorded history? It is David Kitt, The Big Romance. Ah, lovely. Which uh, is named after a pub in Dublin. Am I joking? <laughs> I was thinking, what? <laughs> Am I that old? Um, yeah, I. it's one that sincerely is still on regular rotation mm. um, in my headphones. Can you call him Kitzer? Are you close enough to... Oh, God. I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't. I don't think I've only met him once. I accidentally called him Dave one time. And Ooh, I've, it's, I've not been not right since. He is absolutely not a Dave. <laughs> but he didn't respond. Oh, there you go. So, uh, there you go. Going in that yard, but vibes-wise... Your plastering was excellent. Thank you so much. I think little, a few people know about me. Good crack. Oh, yeah. It was intense, Unreal. though. Like, I mean, I imagine kind of herding those fleas into one spot. <laughs> Ed, you're not like Colin Fleas. That's oh, amazing. sorry, man. That's um, new on the list. No, it's deadly. Like, that's such an amazing festival. It's altogether. really taking off, isn't it? Yeah. You're like the man of the hour. You're the mayor of Stony Vatter over that weekend, which I think means that you have to do everything. That's what I, I mean. That's, yeah. It is the highlight of my year, honestly. It is uh, yeah. DJing in the, what does he call it? The Yard. Walsh's, if anyone's listening. Best pub, in, not in Dublin, but in Ireland. They open up a yard across the way from the pub for the festival. Fills it with bands and there's obviously beer. Then I spin a few tunes. The crowd are the best of the year anywhere. Ah, uh, it's true. And it's actually, it's kind of, it's cool because, yeah, you can see parents kind of bouncing in yeah, for 20 yeah, minutes, yeah, yeah, yeah. bouncing back out. And then they appear back an hour later and have clearly, hopefully gotten a babysitter. Sans kids. <laughs> well, hopefully, as you say. Look, um, great choices today. Uh, Thank you. And the first one for the pod, as they are from three consecutive years. I know. Yeah. Was that intentional or was <laughs> no. it just, No, it wasn't, though. No. Was it hard to pick them? Um, not really. I have a playlist on my phone that I use um, for Fight Like Apes, um, like before we play or in between bands or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's all stuff we would have listened to in the van back in the day when we first started touring. So I just have to look at that and I'm like, yeah. Who else then was, is on that list? Um, well, previously called British Sea Power, who are now called Sea Power. That's right. Um, throwing Muses, Slater Kinney, um, Flying Lizards. I just sound like I'm making this all up as I go along. No, no, but I can see why they'd be on that list. Yeah. Considering. Lots of Weezer, um, lots of Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. Um, yeah. Okay. So you you, narrowed, you, you picked the three. Yeah. Uh, and we're going back to the very first one here. Back 22 years. Can you believe it? No. No, let's not think That's about horrendous. that. horrendous. Uh, 2001, Make Hay. What album is being lifted like Simba into the hallowed halls of your recorded history? It is David Kitt, The Big Romance. Ah, lovely. Which uh, is named after a pub in Dublin. Am I joking? <laughs> I was thinking, what? <laughs> Am I that old? <laughs> Um, yeah, I. it's one that sincerely is still on regular rotation mm. um, in my headphones. Can you call him Kitzer? Are you close enough to... Oh, God. I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't. I don't think I've only met him once. I accidentally called him Dave one time. And Ooh, I've, it's, I've not been right not since. He is absolutely not a Dave. <laughs> but he didn't respond. Oh, there you go. So, uh, there you go. Anyway, sorry, David Kitt, not Kitzer. David Kitt. Hopefully I'll get to that stage. Uh, the Bigger Romance, yeah, second album and voted 31st greatest Irish album of all time by Hot Press. And rightly so. So why is this here? Um, I suppose it's one of those ones, like, I 
love his type of music anyway. Um, I love his style. Just the, there's a few things about that one. First of all, it was a time um, in in the world where it mm. just it just soundtracked a couple of years for so many of me, so many of my friends and me. And um, so, what are you fifth? <laughs> is it 15? You're asking me, what do you know? Sorry, what were you there? What do you know? What do you know? What do you know? 15. So I'm 36, so I would have been 14. Yeah, so I wouldn't have been on this when it first came out. Yeah, okay, so This is something I would have got into retro. when I was about 18. Okay. Yeah. With, like with a lot of things, I was ver- a very embarrassing 18-year-old. I got into like wrestling and like <laughs> stuff like that when I was 18. Watching it, not partaking. Oh, okay. We can talk about that in another podcast. Yeah. Um, And the songs are just so beautiful. The production on it is really beautiful. I wish I was better at describing what I like about production on it, but um, the whole... I can't stop that album halfway through. I really want to stay with it the whole way through any time I listen to it. Um, And yeah... I wish I could describe it. And it's these hard one because I th- he came from a folk background. It was yeah. him and his guitar. And then he went on to study music technology in Trinity. And, and it it's, shows. It's the perfect marriage yeah. of the two worlds colliding. And do you remember back in the day, Electric Picnic? It, well, sorry, this is my memory of it now from the from the start. You'd go and see Jape and Jape would tell you where Kitzer was playing <laughs> or you'd go and see Kitzer and he'd go, right, we're going over. That co- little mini Jape. collective. Yeah. yeah. And it was the coolest... Least toxic, yeah. um, by that I mean not toxic at all. I don't mean it was the least of all the toxic things. I mean it was not toxic. It was so welcoming. Um, just one of those m- moments in time where it was like you'd really go with the flow. Um, that album mm. reminded me very much it's of like freely wafting through yeah. fields in the picnic and, and making a lot of friends that I have now at well, song, you know, It starts with Song from Hope Street. You know what I want to know. Like it's got a genuinely kind of an almost uniform, I suppose, ebb and flow. It's very chill. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah. the big romance is uh, is warm. It's not too warm. And it's beats on it. So and you, it's beats. Yeah, and they're not coming at you hard. No. Um. So yeah, absolutely. And I was doing a show ages ago, and David Kish was on the bill, and it was a, I don't know why I was asked to do this. It was um an improv um night. Okay. Okay, so this is uh, one of those, you know, when people really annoyingly talk about when they just say yes to things. Because you're like, I'm just going to say yes to things. So I just said yes. And... Uh, I'm sorry, you could, sorry, I just need to yeah. make sure that you're on the camera. Yeah. And like before, the week before the show, the guy that had booked me for it was like, do you have any questions or anything? I was like, yes, yeah, sorry, I didn't know if improv meant you literally just show up. And some So what was expected of you then? Um, there were kind of, there were, see, I don't really want to identify it because I don't, it it was a brilliant notion and it actually was a beautiful night. But just from my perspective, I was in touch with David Kitt beforehand and I was like, here, I am not standing on a stage for an hour and a half jumping in. I'm not a jazzer and I'm not. So it was musical improv of just And he was doing electronics. And you just go with his... You know what I want to do. <laughs> well, it was cooler than that, but I just said, I'm going to start singing Step Outside in the Morning Light, please. And he was like, oh my God, yeah, absolutely. And I was Go like, for it, yeah. Right? I have no idea either. <laughs> yeah, well, he said he didn't because he's, he's sound. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he definitely did. Okay. But anyway, I got to sing while he was doing some beats behind me and 
it was just such an honour. It's such a beautiful song. Yeah. Um, it's a landmark album, I think, for Irish oh. music. Yeah. And it's really, it lines up with lots of stuff. Obviously, he's never going to be put in the same category as a lot of singer-songwriters because he's just a, he's just that bit different to, to so many singer-songwriters. But his way of like gently describing what most people might think is just like the mundanity mm. of daily life or the mundanity of of love or affection yeah. or liking where you are or just observing little things in day-to-day life. That album does it yeah. in a way that would actually make you want to stop and look around. Yes. And that, yeah. It is absolutely stunning. I listened mm. to it on the plane yesterday and it, uh, what's the track that stopped me? Well, not in my tracks, hopefully not in the plane's tracks. Whispers <laughs> Return, The Sun, Rest, The Moon. God almighty. God almighty. But it is a stunning album, great choice. And do you still listen to it to this day then? Would you throw it on? When would you throw it on? In what place would you need to be? to have well, to listen to the big romance. I hate to be that guy, but I went for a walk in the beach yesterday. Oh, there she is. <laughs> sea swimming, I knew it. Oh no. <laughs> I actually don't and it's because I'm a wimp. It's not yeah. because I... It is it, it is walk along a beach. That sounds yeah. like we're being kind of slightly pejorative about it, but... No, no. No, I'm being pejorative about being like, I like to go for walks on the beach type thing, but I suppose that's, there's not really nothing wrong with that. Um, and I, I very much wanted to wait till I knew it was at the halfway point before I turned around because I wanted to make sure I finished yes, it before. Just one of those things. Um, it kind of gets close enough to my emotions without making me feel too vulnerable. Yeah. Do you know? I don't want to think too much. No, exactly. Yeah, not beside the sea. Yeah, I feel a bit seen when yeah, I yeah, yeah. Do it, you know? Uh, so go back. You grew up in Kildare. Uh-huh. Yeah. How would you describe your childhood? Um, lovely. Mm. Yeah. Grew up in... Um, in the fields of North Kildare and went to school in St. Anne's in Ard Clock. Um, there were about six people in my class. Wow. Yeah. There were six in the primary school? Yeah. yeah, same, yeah. The, which is which is great, except for it's very easy to be like the tallest okay. or the fastest or the best singer. Yeah. And then you go to secondary school. And you're best like, in class. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No one told me about blonde people <laughs> and I feel very hoodwinked. Some of them have tans Who's as well. that teacher? No, she's in your class. What? <laughs> I'm the tallest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, it was great. Um, uh... Yeah, I have... I've always had that sense you're a very close family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. your mother, obviously, is the very famous journalist, Cathy. Cathy, yeah, and she is a beautiful woman. Um, and she, yeah, she would have done a lot of, like, um, I think war reporting is probably the wrong thing to say, but she would have been to a lot of war zones when yeah. I was little. She travelled a lot then. Yeah. And how um, was that then as a as a child? Did you understand why she was going away or...? It was. It, I suppose I never knew anything else, so it didn't. It was in. It was cool. Mm. Um. It and only when we got a lot older, I said to my dad, like, you never really seemed to mind when we'd be seeing the, you know, awful reports on the news of journalists being kidnapped, and he was like, of course I minded. <laughs> As he snaps the paper. Yeah, exactly. Oh. And a tear, a single tear rose. Now eat your waffle. Yeah, exactly. Eat your frozen pizza. Exactly. So yeah, they were. Yeah. And how many brothers and sisters then? One sister, Sarah. Yeah. Um, and she is uh, wonderfully funny and uh, kind and lovely person. Mm. Um, and being two sisters very close in age, there are ups and downs to yeah. uh, that relationship. Two strong personalities. Yeah. And so similar. I think that's what happens as well with sisters sometimes. You're like, we are nothing alike. And then you get to a certain age, you're like, oh, it's because we're so alike. <laughs> oh, I wish someone had told me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what was the music situation in the house then growing up? Was there many records lying around? I knew you were in a choir. 
Uh, yeah, well, we would have all, like, kind of, when there's that few of you, like, you're all in the choir. Yeah. Um, some people aren't, are told, are advised to be more <laughs> seen than heard in the choir. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so, well, I used to go with my mum a lot um, in the car um, if she was going to cover things. She did a lot of work covering um, the Troubles and, you know, she she was always, she got really, you know, some pretty grim assignments Um which I always have, I have these amazingly fun memories of because we'd be in the must car have been amazing road experience as a child. Yeah, um, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also think I'm not just saying this. She wouldn't expect me to to be like sugarcoating anything. Genuinely, it only ever was exciting and quite inspirational. It was never. It was never. An- Kind of any Where's she gone now? Yeah, oh yeah. God, no! I, I don't. And did it affect her? Do you think? Did you notice? Looking back now, was there? It must have. Did like, it take its toll. Well, like I let's say, when, I mean, I've been to Palestine a couple of times, and and on aid convoys to Ukraine, and poor mum can't doesn't have a leg to stand on when asking me. And now, mind you, she would never. Oh, of course. She's very like, do what you want to do mm. as long as you're kind of doing it for the right reasons okay, or whatever. Yeah, and sure, yeah. even if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, you're going to do it anyway. So she knows you well enough at this stage. Yeah, but I think in the car. Sorry, in terms of music, we would have listened to like the Rolling Stones and Eurythmics, and my dad was more traditional and liked. Um, oh, crud! What's your man's name? Crud. Oh my God. Yes, bring crud back. <laughs> Jesus. Crud. Amazing. Sorry. So your dad then would have been standard Irish dad issue. Yeah, kind of. come running home again, Katie. Who that wrote that? Jimmy. Running home again. Oh, that was Mary Black. Was it written by no. Jimmy Buckley, I have a feeling. No, Jimmy. Jimmy. Oh, crud. Come running home again. Oh. I'm going to have to look it up. Oh, Jimmy McCarthy. Oh Jimmy my McCarthy. God. It was some Cork name. Ah, oh, we knew that. So Jimmy McCarthy, yeah. yes. Come come running home again. Katie. Yes. Mary Black was a massive part of a lot of children's childhood. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She's amazing. Astonishing. Astonishing. I'm not sure she gets her props. You know that? Um, this day, I know there's been a retroactive, retrospective on her, but she was so massive. In, yeah. You know, everyone had a copy of her albums. Yeah. When I was growing up, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the same as like a lot of artists. Um, she made a lot of songs famous, you mm. know, songs that maybe weren't with other people. She's obviously a great songwriter, too. Um, but her. Yeah, she has a way of interpreting things that gets right under your. Yeah. Phenomenal. Still yeah. sounds great. Yeah. 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 What a family. What a fa- Oh, Jesus God. Christ. What a family. Yeah. Yeah, they'd make it kind of... Yeah, a little bit. Joey to Bix in the morning. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. I bet they had a soda stream growing up. (laughs) Now, so, growing up in Kildare, yeah, so obviously very happy, content, childhood, bit of music going around. And the choir, was there any sense then at what age was your singing kind of, I suppose, becoming a bigger part of your life then that... Was there any sense, you know, when you're like 10, ever going, mm, I might, might make a go of this? No, I mean, I just always sang. So that was kind of the extent of it. And I wanted to get the solos and I wanted to. Yeah. And like I said, when there's six people in your class, it's easy to get the solos. Yeah. And then in secondary school. So you had no problem putting yourself forward? Oh, God, no. Yeah, you were. Oh, jeez. I'd say this. Okay. Yeah. Unfor- I'd really like to say, oh, I was just the quiet one in the background. I wasn't. No. I was so annoying. Right. Yeah. I wish that was more shocking, but yeah, no. I, was I mean, the story checks out. Yeah, <laughs> thank you as for our, saying. As no, our it's true. Would say, yeah. I know it does. Um, 
in secondary school then you'd kind of audition for the choir and stuff like that and to my horror when I was in transition year and there was a school musical on and I was a shoe in for the lead in The Merry Widow and then this honest to God, oh God. soprano joined the school that year God. and I had to play the lead male. Oh. <sighs> wow. Um, okay. You okay? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Have you been okay. chasing that ever it's, since? It's still, it hits somewhere that, that, that hasn't been hit since. Yeah. Um, because you, I, I mean, at that age, wow. I'm 16, Ooh. the local boys school all came to watch it. I had to slick back my hair to look like I had short man's hair. and Devastating. Devastating. Okay. And I don't believe it uh, gave, like, you know, gave me character or anything. No. no. It, it, if anything, it took away from my character. <laughs> it made me very angry and bitter. Yeah. And then finally came to then fi- where If only there was an opportunity to channel <laughs> this rage, which would arrive 10 years later. Yeah. Uh, speaking of moving on, we better get into your second record. Yeah. Uh, Mary-Kate. Who Does anyone still call you Mary-Kate or is that a home thing or... Um, I don't really know. I've stuck to May Kay now because I don't think it's fair anymore to okay. keep changing names yeah. based on how I'm feeling that day. I got so, like a mood ring. Yeah, oh, it's terrible. Yeah. So May Kay, we'll get on to your second record. The year after, so we're in the year what 2002 now. Jesus Almighty, what an album! I have not listened to this in about I would say an, almost ten years. Okay. And I, again, I put it on. I was flying back and forth to London yesterday, as you do. Thank you. So I'm going to drop that in, seeing the Rolling Stones. Anyway, um, on the way back, I put this on and uh, my eyes were saucer-like. This is an incredible, incredible pick. So from 2002, Mickey, what is your second entry into your recorded history? McCluskey do Dallas by McCluskey. Yeah. Um, wow. Just an absolute... Uh, life-altering Jesus. discovery of a band yeah. which actually um, me and Jamie from Fight Like Apes and Paddy Hanna used to hang out um, in an apartment I was living in in Dublin like when I was about 19 and pretending to go to college sorry everyone um, and the lads used, we used to play a thing called Brave New Bands and one of us would go into Secret Book and Records and pick up five CDs for just, like 50 cents each. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it had to be random. Okay. It couldn't be anybody Great that you'd idea. ever heard of. And then one of us would be like the host. Well, it was like a, like a book club. Yeah. Oh my God. So we'd all, so they, so whoever it was, so I think it was Paddy that played like, you'd play a song from each CD and then we'd like rate it and wow. pick our favourite one. And McCluskey won. Of course. Uh, their round of Brave New Bands. Um, and that's how we discovered them. And... Can you remember the effect it had on you? Like, whatever trajectory your music was taking in your own head and... Yeah, we were I, already I can hear a lot go. of... I can see the influence on yeah. Fight Like Apes, is what I'm saying. I think they legitimised what we were doing a little bit more mm. as far as we were concerned. Um, they kind of just, like... I really hate the word raw as a description of anything, but it was a bit felt a bit raw and and noisy, but it was very controlled noise. I mean, unfortunately, we didn't take enough influence from them. Really, if I could say anything about it, but um, they they definitely for me legitimized how noisy we were, um, and how we were still we were still kind of a pop band. We were devastated to learn that, but we were still kind of a pop band. That but this is almost. I mean, it's, it's very melodic. Very, you know, very. people might just see the surface noise here and go, "What the hell?" But is it Andrew Falkhouse? 
Falcus, yeah. Falcus, yeah. His vocals, people compare him to like uh, Black Francis or... Yeah. And, and people compare the album to Nevermind and whatnot. A bit of Weezer in there. But yeah. It's a, I think it's above and above. Beyond all of that, really, because I completely agree. As you say, the control. Like, I hate to say this, the method to the madness, almost that there's a very clever pop record beneath the surface raucousness here. Definitely, yeah. um, and they take it very seriously. And I remember we were playing some festival in the UK um, years ago, and we used to cover "Lightsaber Cock Sucking Blues." Mm. Is the lightsaber cock on that? Track record? one, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Nicely done. Track so, uh, one. There was four, four singles. It was your lightsaber, cocksucking blues. Who now you, the hell with good intentions and Alan is a cowboy killer. Four singles taken from the album. Genius. Like, mm. to hell with good intentions. Um, Like, my band is, and uh, my band is better than your band. We've got eight cars and a house in Ireland. Or is it my dad? Is Which everyone is my dad is better than your dad. <sighs> it's just, it's so brilliant. And like, if you just read the lyrics, it it might feel a bit silly, but there's something so deep about it, it hasn't that I aged never a day really. Either. No, it hasn't. No, and they are so amazing live. Oh, you've um, seen them live, yeah. Yeah, we've seen them loads of times live. Um, the Thin Air, God bless them, brought them back wow. to Dublin actually a few years ago, and we've been trying to get them. We've been trying to do something with them, but like he's just so funny, no nonsense. Like he'd be like, "No, I don't want to do that." We're like, oh, "Okay," because they broke up under. As so often is the case, obviously, with bands, slightly acrimonious, there was some stolen gear. Yeah. In I, Arizona, some gear got stolen and it caused the, the the fallout from that actually ended up killing the band. Is that, am I right? In my I mouth? don't know exactly. It's more of a straw that broke the I think so, that's what I'm saying. It was, it was yeah. The, it was the final, yeah. Yeah, I'd say the first time Fight Like Ace broke up, I would say it was something like to do with a sandwich. Too too many sugars in the tea. Yeah, exactly. That's it. For anyone who hasn't heard it, it is an astonishing, an astonishing record. It's McCluskey Do Dallas, obviously a play on Debbie Does Dallas. Very clever. I didn't get that for years. Thank you. Because I'm so innocent. Uh, But speaking, you've mentioned Jamie there a few times, so we need to speak about that meeting, that very fortuitous and and, uh, I suppose... Incredibly life-changing moment in Spain. Two Celtic <laughs> Tiger Cubs. Oh, God. Uh, lounging <laughs> by a pool in Spain. I'm, I'm sensing a bit of a white lotus. You know, there's like slowly raising your hand. And I'm just like breathing, sighing with such boredom. And then Jamie's there yes. and goes, hi, do you like music? Yeah. So anyway, I'm just... The That's object. basically it. Is it? Yeah. That's basically So you met it. Jamie... Yeah, I was 15, he was 17. He was kind of friends with my sister. Um, your tone was exactly correct. It was like, oh, these are all subs. Uh, you know? So dreadful. Oh, gosh, yeah, so lame. so boring. Who swims? Yeah, I mean, honestly. Imagine walking by a beach. Who has the time to sunbathe? Honestly, so Imagine lame. walking on a beach listening to an album. Yeah, it's so... Oh, I'll, I'll never do that. Me either. Imagine making an effort. That's so embarrassing. Imagine listening to David Kidd, a big romance later on in life. <laughs> exactly. By the sea. Imagine eventually liking <laughs> Belle and Sebastian. That's awful news. Oh, I hate this. So anyway, <laughs> you and Jamie sitting there and you got to talking about music. And you, yeah. and you, you explained, listen, I do a bit of singing. I do a bit of singing in my spare time. Yeah, a bit. But it, I see, I didn't do anything in my spare time. It was all choir. It was all, yeah. unfortunately, the school I was in really only 
would recognise people who want to be classical singers. It was still that time when it was like there's only prospects and it was just so, so stupid. Um, and I think me and Jamie were just so relieved um, to meet each other. Um, he introduced me to basically the music that shaped my life, really. Um we quickly abandoned my sister, unfortunately. We came back around some years later, but um, this was just a whole new world for me. Okay. Um, a whole new, like, completely different avenue of things. He's, I can't remember exactly what he played for me at the start, but I mean, even for me, like, Block Party okay. um, was, was, like, mind-blowing. And what were we listening you know? to? Up until that point, do you remember? Well, I just wanted to be a singer up okay. until then. And that's like, a, I don't know how people like, you know, I've a lot of respect for people who just are so confident in how good their voice just is to pursue just being a singer without being without writing the songs to give you a bit more of an anchor, I suppose. But um, I would have lashed out a Mariah Carey song. Yeah, yeah, no, Not well. No doubt. No doubt. Oh, sorry, Zin. Uh, oh, very good. I got, no, God, whatever. <laughs> Zinged on my own podcast. <laughs> so you were kind of just belting out whatever was around at the time. Uh, yeah, it, like, singing along to, you know, yeah. recording stuff. And were you writing any songs? I would have been writing lyrics. Yeah, yeah. they would have been appalling. I actually wouldn't mind at all telling you some now if I could remember Please, I was going to ask. Um... It was, isn't it mad? Because it's all things at that age that you have not experienced. You're, you're sorry for me. It was anyway. Some people are much wiser, I'm sure, than I was. But you're writing about what you've heard other people okay. write about. So, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, very deep, you know, heartache, which I would, I mean, not even in your idyllic home. You're going, yeah, <laughs> scones are ready. Make it. What second? I'm just telling you about how miserable things are. <laughs> yeah. I hate my life. Yeah, and it is one of those things as well that teen angst stuff that mm. like. You'd like, unfortunately, for a lot of our parents, like... Were you an angsty teen? Um, I think for a certain period, I certainly was. Right. Um, my mum brings it up sometimes still. As my Irish mothers yeah. tend to do. Yeah, she does. Um, she says to me sometimes if I take a tone with her, I'm only 16, or, or no, it's not I'm only 16. It's like, I'm 16! What do you, you know, expect? As, what, as if I wouldn't know... <laughs> I know, every, like I'm 16, get a grip. Come on. Yeah. Um, and then I'd say I'm only 16 if I didn't want to okay, do something or, nice, or, you know. Nicely played, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think with with uh, with Jamie then we started like hanging out. Jamie was doing music in his leaving cert the following year and needed someone to sing um, for his practical. And I think we sang What the Oh, it's a ridiculous song. Right here waiting for you. Oh, wow. Yes. Was not expecting that. Neither was I. And I'm 90% sure it's correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, very sadly, a couple of years after that, Jamie's brother passed away. And the reason that we started um, taking things a bit more seriously was to do a tribute gig for him. Okay. His brother, Jonathan, had been a really, he was a great musician and had a lot of friends. They were great musicians and they were putting on a gig for him. So that was me and Jamie's first time okay. working together. And we did like True Colours and a couple of oh, other songs with some yeah. of the other ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was kind of the genesis then of yeah. formalising Absolutely. Fight, fight Like Apes. Well, no, because that was all very singer-songwritery stuff back in the day. And when Whelan's Beer Garden was that kind of corridor. God, I remember it, yeah. Yeah. 
and we were hanging around and listening to a lot of singer-songwriter music. The genesis of Fight Like Apes was that we were so painfully bored and um, to the point of being angry yeah. at that that turned into like at screaming the and shouting. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that in a second. I want to just ask you, so you had, you were going to Trinity, medic, med- medicinal chemistry? Yeah. <laughs> Whilst all that's going on, you're going, I've done CEO and I've gotten the points. Were you furiously in the background going, Lance, can we get this fucking band going? Because I need a 100%. plan B. I need a plan B. I need an escape. I don't have much time. Can we get this? Because it's September's coming and I'm going to have to go to college. Well, I... Uh, you went and then you... I went and absolutely. I mean, we were like... Well, see, we just didn't think... We didn't think there was anything to what we were doing at the very start. We were just having a ball. Um, and then when we realised there was something to what we were doing, I was like, oh God, that would suit me down to the ground, lads, if this was good. I'd be like, is it good? Like, yeah, it's good. Oh, Jesus, this is... It's, so intense. it's oh. good. On the phone to your mother. Listen, I've yeah. just finished college. Bye. Yeah. How was the reaction I've just home? spoken to a lad called Dan and he said I should quit college. Dan says I've got a nice voice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Goodbye. So when you that call, did your mother, how was the reaction at home? Um, I think... I don't think there's a huge amount of precedent for um, parents, for someone going... I'm going to throw my lab coat in the bin, literally leave, get in Jamie's car and we're going to go and record some songs. Um, They'd always told me, and this is like a very nice, privileged thing to have had in my life, that they would do their best to support me and my sister, whatever our kind of plan was. And if that involved some sort of very far-fetched dream that they would also... um, And you see, there wasn't BIM then, there wasn't, you know... Alternative music as a career didn't really have a very clear pathway for us. You know, we weren't hanging out with successful bands or anything. So who was there? So the scene early 2000s, what, 2003, four is it? Or are we looking at here? So Super Extra Bonus. Oh, Super Extra Bonus. Part, yeah. Dead Arantas were kicking off around then. Yeah. Uh, so the scene was very vibrant. Very vibrant. The immediate would have been around. And, yeah. Oh, they were a huge part of band. us. Um, Getting together as well. Jesus. Um, Stagger Lee. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were loads of really cool women. Um, yeah. There, so in that little scene in Dublin, we felt very yeah. um, welcome or, or whatever, that there was somewhere for us to be. Um, and, but then that's very hard to explain to anybody else outside of that, that you actually think you might be able to do something within that. So the EP came out, How Am I Supposed to Kill You? If you have all the guns, yeah, great title. All the titles are brilliant. Yeah, very heavily In, inspired by B movie or is it Hollywood B movies or and McCluskey's way yeah, of yeah, of, yeah. of just being really annoying to poor radio DJs, which obviously in retrospect, just don't try annoy radio DJs. I suppose yeah. would be a huge just when you need them the most. So the EP comes out in two thousand seven. That gets a lot of traction. Your live element that the gigs were getting a lot of attention as well. You spoke to a generation, and you were kind of almost the figureheads for a real movement that was happening. I think in the scene. Was there any sense of that at that time? Um, well, it's very hard to kind of, to remember, I can't remember things before social media was like yeah. the tastemaker or the go-to for everything. So we weren't fully aware of of kind of maybe our importance and that's very difficult for me to say, but like of maybe how important we were to some people or how, because we were we were looking a lot to like America and Europe for who we were listening to. So we kind of forgot that that wasn't really happening at home. And that's not to say there weren't some things happening. I don't mean at all Mm. that there wasn't anything, you know, like us around. But um, yeah, the shows were hectic and we were hectic. I mean, we didn't, 
we didn't go, I liked the way you did that, we should do that again. And that's kind of, I guess that was the charm of it. Mm. It was sincere. And then I think, we, yeah, that energy. Yeah, it was, it was cool. And I remember, see, if you start at that tempo. That's it, isn't extremely, it? Extremely, everyone notices if, you've, if you haven't slept well the night before. But if you've like, done it for one, you can't then go, okay, sorry, but last night. Can't sit on stool. Just sit on a stool, I was going to say. <laughs> hey, Jamie, let's uh, crack into it. Uh, you raise me up. Okay, here we go. Yeah. So, you ha- so to maintain that, mm. it must have taken its toll. I mean, we all talk now almost in the same breath about the mental health side of the music business. And of course, Brezzy's done amazing work on that. But I, I, to my knowledge, I was never in a band or a singer, but there was never a mention of it. It just wasn't in the ether. No, and and I mean you're treated as a band, not as kind of individuals yeah. with individual needs and differing circumstances and stuff. And I mean, it was cool to have a beer in your hand to be half drunk. It was cool to be unhealthy. It's really cool now to be sober and fit. It's completely turned around, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean it was a mark of like, like it's like when people say. You can't give awards to kids anymore for going to school every day because it's not fair. You have no idea why the other kids weren't able to show up mm. for the other days. Like, it was it was amazing to be able to say we've never cancelled a show. We've never pulled out of a gig. When, like, Jamie was hop, like, Jamie had broken his ankle at one stage and we were like, yeah, just get him some whiskey, he'll be fine, you know? Just, just, yeah. And, like, and I don't, this, is, this isn't a glorious no, tale no, no, where I'm no, like, no. he went on stage and smashed it. We should have cancelled that show, you know. I I went what, on stage. What was driving that? Was it just was it? But there's a certain kind of like we just have to keep the momentum up, or is it was it being driven from? I suppose it was so much fun. Mm, yeah, there was like I mean, we never wanted the tours to end. Like one time when we'd been sleeping, we sleep in the van a lot, depending on what our budgets were like. But one time we got back from tour and got back to Jamie's house, and we both slept in the van rather than go in. Mm. Um, I always had a spare bed in Jamie's home which I'm very grateful to his parents for um, but yeah we slept in the van that night so we just weren't ready to go back to normal things that quickly and as well and loads of musicians listening to this will get it, um, it this gig pays for the next gig mm. you know and your merch sales from this gig are paying for your fuel to get to the next place so there's that as well um, but yeah it was. I mean I sang I belted out gigs um, when you know, I should have absolutely. But your voice, were you looking after it then? or No. There was no. No. Because you really are. Like, I mean, it is one of the greatest voices of all time. <laughs> it is, so it is. And, but you really put it through the the ringer. Oh, the ringer. And I remember, like, even for these last few fight, like ape shows we've been doing, I'm like, so fun to sing. I used to, dr- so there was a few shows back in the day I used to just dread. You know, the way, like, let's say the Choice Music Prize might be in the middle of a tour. I'd have... I remember that. Oh, I'd have like sang I remember you my coming backstage because we were broadcasting. Yeah. That, and you and Jamie and one or two others came in. And the green room, uh, it was fine. You know, we were doing a show upstairs and there was like this hubbub. Downstairs where the musicians were gathered. And we're upstairs. Okay, Paul, we're all done. Yeah. Next thing. An explosion. Just <laughs> came in the door. This glorious cacophony of absolute... I, how will I say it? Madness, I suppose. <laughs> but it's just that you, you came in, you were bouncing on the sofas, you were just so full of joy. And we actually were. Yeah, it was just, there was never any menace or unpleasantness <gasps> about it. Or It was just pure exuberance. 
you see when and then when that ran out that's when we yeah, broke up that's like it. that's the thing because you know where you see bands a lot now and I don't really blame them because they're just in a different game now but like there's a lot of performative madness that happens mm. um gimmicky performative madness and believe it or not none of that was ever put on or that's just but I think that's why you in, I think that's why people knew that Irish people can spot bullshit in my life yeah and I think it was just real and, and you know, I would have gotten this, I was talking to Mazer about this as well about uh, Republic of Loose had that oh I should, yeah man mm. it was like it was it was uh, unpredictable but there was a magic happening with those members of that band and, and Mick that swag of the century. Yeah, yeah, you just don't know. That energy came off the stage and into the crowd, and there was that symbiotic kind of where is it going to go? Yeah, and it built and it built, but there was definitely that energy with Fight Like Apes cool. at that time. And then at the end, I suppose, as you say, you know, the first album came out to great acclaim, Golden Medallion, and then the second one all was good, and then things got a bit sticky, I suppose, with the release or the non-release of the third one. Yeah, was that a fair. Yeah. Summation of a good chunk of your entire life. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, in between. So the second album, we, I think we're, which is such a shame, but we kind of, I mean, I'm, we're, we're really proud of, mm. of the three records that we put out. Um, but we definitely, so the two EPs we put out, people thought we were cool. Album went out, the cool people thought we were cool, didn't think we were cool anymore. Oh. Um, is that the one? They thought we sold out a bit. Okay. I saw uh, the Irish Times review. Of the first album, Do you have, you've seen this? No. Oh yeah. Is there a little, a somewhat Irish Times sniffy? Oh yeah. Well, and yeah. this is the thing. We ludicrous, by the way. But. At the time, we would have been like, we don't care what anyone says, and we did think we thought that. But then, I mean, with our second album, we tried to go. Okay. Was that a reaction? There was a kind of a bratish. Oh, the second album's a reaction to the response from the first okay. album. Right. And we were with Andy Gill, and we. I mean, I can't say if we went again, would we do it differently at all? Um. And like, yeah, to to work with Andy Gill on that was such a fun and weird time. Um, so, so yeah, things things started to peter off. It's so hard to know, really. So hard to know if we stopped trying as hard. It's so hard to know if that big pop from the first one was really hard to accept that there wasn't a big pop from the second one. Um, and then we all kind of, me and Jamie, had, I mean, there wasn't a day for years that me and Jamie didn't speak to each other. And I mean, literally yeah. not a single day. Um, so we kind of needed a break from each other. And when we came back from that break, um, we realized we needed to do the, the third record on our own. Okay. So we left our label, did it on our own, um, which is just, if, we'd never done this on our own. And it's just really like, who? <laughs> Who puts them in the yeah. shops then? I'm singing. Is this a microphone? <laughs> yeah. Is someone recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the gorgeous uh, Jack from Alcopop Records, who we'd already been in touch with before, said they'd release it. I'm really, really glad we did release it. Yeah. And I'm so glad that we've come back to do something again. And I'm not trying to skip ahead too far, but just when that, like you said, that madness and joy had just gone. Mm. It's like a sad, like everyone knows the relationship's over, but everyone still loves each other. And also we just didn't know who we were outside of the band. But as you said earlier, that was also sincere, that it wasn't put on or fake mm. to have to get into the place where you're like painting on that. Oh. And then, you know, just faking the jumping around. Like it just, it, it was just, it, when the joy was gone, then the that's band was over. terrible. Like yeah. that's so tough. It was 
against everything that the band stood for, mm. as it were. Yeah, absolutely. And before we do race on ahead, I want to get to your third record mm. in your recorded history. It's 2003, rather conveniently. Mm-hmm. A great record from Metric. So, Meke, what is your third record? Old World Underground, Where Are You Now? Yeah. Um, by Metric, which is kind of like... Yeah, that there's that's this very life altering album for me as well, which I've actually gone back to now for some music I'm recording at the moment. Like, you know, that very distinctive intro to Combat Baby with those really lo-fi drum beats and stuff. Um, and she's just got this. She's got one of those voices that wasn't like the other voices I've been listening to. So she's very capable of belting, but she chooses not to. Emily Haynes. Yeah. 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 An iconic I think they came up, this is their debut album, it's amazing to think about it. Yeah. So they'd been knocking around for a while and you'd forget how vibrant the Canadian scene was. There's like Happy Hands Say Yeah and then it was Stars and then they moved to New York and they were hanging out with all that Meet Me in the Bathroom crowd, as I call it now, the Yeah, 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 Yeah. All of that. So they were right in a couple of scenes. Yeah. And out came this. And it felt a little bit tweed compared to the stuff I've been listening to and a little bit kind of... Then I saw them live in the Academy. I can't remember what year it was, but it was like Mm -hmm. headbanging kind of performance. Um, And yeah, I really, I really appreciated how she could be. And this sounds just so basic, but it's just uh, how she could be just so gentle and then just suddenly snap into something else. Would you have been informed by say someone like Emily Haynes that how she sung her songs or how she carried herself on stage. Yeah, I, I was really mad about people who who were so cool on stage and weren't trying to be pretty, you know, like, and wrestlers. So I used to love, like, the way wrestlers would be so commanding on stage and, and those front women in particular would be so, like Karen O and Emily Haynes would be so commanding on stage, Susie Sue. Um, Emily Haynes happens to be like they're all beautiful women don't get me wrong but what I mean is they're not trying to be traditionally pretty on stage it's like the expression of what they're doing is is the beauty it's the first and foremost yeah yeah Yeah. and so the band had I suppose there were no more and after this and you found yourself you were a waitress in Captain America's for a while was that return to reality and Jamie started his Piano tuning business. What yeah. does he call it now? He's got a lovely phrase for it. Oh, and what he calls himself? No, no, they, he doesn't call it piano tuning. It's re, oh. it's kind of um, musical like, re- repurposing or it's something. Oh yeah, like revitalizing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's something yeah. It's really lovely. Anyway. It's amazing what he does and it's, yeah. it's called Fox and Wolf um, that you can see on an Instagram and it's really beautiful what he does. He's one of the best in the country at what he yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. So. And so, yeah, he does like, he renovate pianos as well and they just, I mean, um, people are, people are buying them because they look so beautiful. Yeah. And then they're kind of like, oh, as an aside, we might learn how to play it, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, 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 he's really amazing at what he does and um, he's got a lot of other things on the go and he's a father and a husband and he's still an amazing friend mm. and performer and everything. Great, so, yeah, yeah I'm really still... proud of him. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, t- I mean, I mean, me and Jamie just without without really acknowledging it, just separated, went, went our separate ways, basically lived our own lives very separately for a few years. And then because of, you know, different tragedies and successes and things, you'd come back together every now and again, but not in a okay. not in a constant way. 
Um, and then, yeah, we, the two of us, like, a few years ago started, like, we'd text each other very embarrassingly sometimes being like, geez, that was a very good song, wasn't it? About our own. Okay. Um, and this went on so long that it became pathetic. And we were like, let's just do a game, like... It was the sense that mm, let him say it first. I don't want to be the totally. Yeah, I don't want to be the first one to. Oh yeah, because imagine he was like, yeah. just let it go. You're putting yourself out there, going, <laughs> "Will we do it? Absolutely not. Goodbye." Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You loser. Go yeah. start another. Well, I didn't band. want to. I didn't want to put them back together anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was always trying to trap you. Yeah, whatever. It. You're so lame for thinking I was going to get the band back <laughs> together. So uh, in in the interim, we'll, we'll we'll get back to fight like apes as you have gotten back to them, the TV work with mm. other voices. Ten years now. Is it ten years? Yes. Yeah, I think nearly. I think this might be my eighth year. Eighth I shouldn't year. say that in such a... Oh, oh my yes, God, that's can, it's been, yeah. But it's... Uh, the TV work, did that come easily to you or was it... Is it something that you feel as the years of progress have has gotten easier that you've come become more comfortable? Well, credit to them. Like, I think if it had been anyone else that had said to give me a shot, I don't know if it would have lasted. But, like, they very much let me learn on the job. Um, I remember the first interview I ever did was with the academic in a pub in Dingle. And it was Morris Lanann, who was the director at the time, was basically like three, two, one, go. And I was like, so talking into the camera? Or am I? Yeah, okay. Yeah, and they're like, just chat away, which is to now, now this is like the easiest thing in the world for me. And I love it. Yeah. But chat away... At the time. And the camera goes on, it's... Yeah, and they really didn't want to give me direction. Uh, at the time, I was like, I wish someone would, ha- like, tell me what to do, but, like, they purposely didn't want to do that because they, you know, they can easily hire a presenter, um, but they kind of, they just really wanted a musician who What if it's in with other voices? Oh, yeah. You know, and Hugh Stevens. Yeah. My uh, head twin. <laughs> it's, it was essentially, I how many texts and WhatsApps and then punters texting the show going... Oh, nice job and other voices. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I met him then. I met him at the launch of one of the other voices and I was stood there and he was stood there and we looked across at each other and was like, oh God. And he went, oh my God. I was like, yeah, I know. So I had to go over and go, look. Yeah, it's let's just, me. You know, yeah. You're probably getting it loads. <laughs> he was not. Uh, so I got a photograph and all around. Lovely man, but... He's a beautiful man, yeah. And uh, March this year was the, the comeback gig mm. in the Olympia and for Fight Like Apes... How did it feel before and afterwards and during? Was it different? Yeah, it was like, I presumed it would just go in a flash and I wouldn't remember it. But I've, like, I have like I hadn't felt so grounded in a long time as I did on the stage that night. It was really, it was so fulfilling and satisfying. It and been beautiful to revisit those songs. And those people, those like, people. it's like, well, half of them are my friends now. I know, yeah. And, and like... I was thinking, okay, we actually did all need this, you know, because um, even when it sold out, I was still, you still have moments of thinking like, why are we doing this? This is so stressful. We have so much work to do. Could have just not done this. Did you have any sense that of the goodwill that you'd, that you'd engendered over the years or at that time? Because I mean, the crowd were just, it was very emotional. It was very emotional. Yeah. Um, how much you meant to people then. Yeah. And now. Well, you see, I definitely did know that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have booked the Olympia. Yeah. I have to keep telling myself okay, yeah. that. I don't think I'm like a complete idiot. So I, I, I did know 
that we would sell it out to it. Like I did know that somewhere. But then at the same time, you're kind of thinking, oh, people might be coming as a kind of a... Curiosity yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. But it was like, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'll ever feel that again. Well, hopefully um, April 6th. <laughs> oh, yeah. Next year. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> We're trying to sell tickets here. Yeah. <laughs> so that you are. So the games are back in the Three Olympia April 6th, 2024. Tickets are on sale now. Yeah, and again, like, I mean... We're going to try and do something. I don't want to change things up too much Mm -hmm. because I do, you know, I do want to just be able to have that like burst of fun for a night again. Um, But, you know, it'll be an anniversary of the second record. So we'll do something, you know, a bit more with that. But yeah, I mean, for for our minds at the moment, it's going to be like the same type of show, but with a few more, you know, I have to ask, I have to ask. You know what I'm going to ask. For free tickets. Yes. (laughs) Uh, You got my text. But, sorry, it was two in the morning. I was was very emotional. But uh, I'm going to have to ask, is there any chance of, you don't have to say if you don't want to, but of maybe new music? Oh, well, no, I can be completely honest about this. We've talked about it. Mm. Um, And we're in such a nice position where like, we might, me and Jamie might sit down together over the next couple of months and try stuff. And if it's crap, we just won't do anything with it. Okay. Do you know? I suppose there's a sense that it's just so perfect now. You don't want to kind of yeah. upset the balance yeah. or ruin the vibe. It's by... the imposter syndrome where you still, regardless of the feedback at the moment, you still feel like someone's going to go, oh no, they're crap. Oh God, I forgot they were shit. Yeah. Oh, that's why I used to go. They tricked us. <laughs> they're terrible. But yeah, no, I think, I mean, me and Jamie have very busy and like different lives at the moment. But I think for the crack we'd be silly to not spend even a weekend just seeing what happens. Um, and I think like, yeah, I think we might owe it to people as well a little bit to see what's there. One or two. Ah, just for one or two. Look, sure, what, what else would you be doing? <laughs> this is Mayke, thank you so much. I didn't even get a chance to speak to you about your astonishing work in Palestine. Um, well, so I've been twice now, so I suppose, yeah, now I do regularly visit yeah. and we and I've plans to go again Um in like the first half of next year and I will go to my beloved um, people in Laji Centre in Ida Camp in, in Bethlehem. And so what we did this time was me and four of my friends did basically like workshops on various different methods of communicating. So okay. um, my friend Donacha, who is, uh, who works with TG Kahar, um did some filming workshops on different methods, interview skills, things like that. Um, my friend Bryony taught some radio workshops on how to create sound beds and things like that and how to actually make a radio show. Um, I did a song with them and did lyric writing and stuff like that. Um, my friend Aoife did um, like more mindfulness. Um, That's part of the, I suppose, spectrum of aid you never think of you always yeah. think so practically of food packages and mm. clothes and but you never think of that because a friend of mine uh, does song writing workshops with inmates in prison in the states she does it online wow she went to visit them then but she she would send me the results and they're astonishing like the level of talent but the feedback she gets is like it means so much to them to be able to express themselves in this and just tap into that part of their their personality and talent that has been ignored by themselves and by society. So and and to be asked thing. directly, yeah. you know, to say so. Our whole 
point of doing these is like we want them to be speaking to the world. So I'm very happy at any time, day or night to speak on behalf of my friends in Palestine. But the point is that we should be listening to them directly. And that's why we're trying to help them with, you know, just like more skills with regards to that and and be able to broadcast their point of view and their and like they're so brilliant they are so brilliant and we do forget if we hear like refugee or if we hear Palestine we hear all these things you forget that there's even the kindest of us forget that there's humans who are talented and intelligent and it's lost yeah totally yeah absolutely that's so, astonishing yeah um, thank you so look April 6th next year tickets are on sale now Fight Like Games are back in the three Olympia in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Mickey, I'm going to have to ask you one final dreadful question. If you only were to pick one of the albums that you've thrown into your do Dallas. Oh, there we go. That was it. <laughs> Didn't have to dilly-dally. Thank you, Mickey. That was an absolute joy. Thank you, Edson. And I'll, we'll head to Walsh's now. Okay, and here finish, we go. finish the day properly. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thanks, Ed. So there we have it. The wonderful Mickey and her recorded history. Tickets for the Fight Lake Apes gig in the Olympia on April 6th are on sale now and if it's not completely sold out already get on that case immediately I really hope you enjoyed May Kay's recorded history and that you'll join me next week and indeed every Sunday after that if you want to check out any of her choices or indeed anything at all that might tickle your eardrums I would absolutely love it if you did so by way of our superb sponsors at therecordhub.com it's got all you need at the click of a button next week is a very special episode as I'm featuring the recorded history of a record label. Yes, the legendary Cladder Records. I've been Ed Smith. This has been Recorded History. Now, all you have to do, if you don't mind, is hit that old subscribe button and become a weekly listener. But above all that, subscribe to yourself. Because you, to me, are everything. The sweetest song that I could sing. Good luck. Go Loud presents Recorded History. Hosted, produced and researched by me, Ed Smith, at Go Loud Studios. The show was created and executive produced for Go Loud by D-Ready. Our series is proudly supported by TheRecordHub.com, your local Irish and online record store.